Dear God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for this chance to get together for another episode and um, just this time to record and gather around your word. Lord, I pray that today we learn what it truly means to be your disciples, what it truly means to live a life with you, a life led by you. God, I pray for each and every person that is listening to this, that, uh, that they would leave with their hearts a little bit more on fire for you and who you are. I pray that our conversation today can encourage people to move towards you, that it would create a hunger inside of each and every one of us that just wants to be more like you. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the True Discipleship Podcast, where we have practical conversations on what it means to be a passionate follower of Jesus. We are so thankful you chose to listen today and hope you gain a fresh perspective. With Jesus at the center, this is a community where everyone is given a seat at the table, a place to dive into scripture, talk, think, explore, and learn what following Christ is all about. Now on to our hosts, Aaron and Morgan Nelson. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode six of the True Discipleship Podcast. Super excited to get hopping into things today. Morgan, how are you? I am. I'm good. You sounded like you had to think about it. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, my typical answer would just be I'm tired. Um, it's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Um, Man, what an exciting start. To this yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been a busy few, busy little bit. It has. I think we uh, we told everybody on the last episode that we bought a house. Yep. We had closed by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time this episode is released, we will ha- be moved into that house. Yeah. Uh, we also will have celebrated a pretty big milestone. Yeah, one year wedding anniversary. It's crazy. <laughs> it's so funny. Like we record these episodes. Like right now, when we're recording it, it'll be out. It's it's Tuesday the twenty seventh. This will be out the next Tuesday. And it's just so weird because you always want to talk about like current things going on, but you can't because (laughs) of like the time buffer and stuff. So for anybody who's listening, for reference, uh, at this moment, Kanye West is living in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I don't know if he still will be by by the time this episode comes out. But, you know, if you're listening to this five years from now and you need a a mile marker, there it is. (laughs) Oh, man. So yeah, it's been it's been fun. I mean, there's been a lot of moving and we're we're in the middle of that process right now, but hopefully by the time this comes out we'll be all settled and stuff, but it's been good. It's been a year. It has been already a, a year. And we're just a few months in, but uh, I'm excited. It's been it's been a good year. Plenty of exciting life changes, you know, as Morgan mentioned, we have celebrated a year of marriage. We launched this podcast, which has been a ton of fun and something we've really, really enjoyed. And we actually have something new for anybody who's checking us out, uh, maybe even for the first time. But we have a phone number now. So if you want to reach out to us directly, you can shoot us a text message and it'll come straight to my phone, which I may end up regretting very soon, (laughs) especially because this never is posted on the Internet. But you can give us a text at 919 nine four eight zero two zero six i'll go ahead and put that down in the show notes as well but you can shoot us a text and we just want to hear stories about the way that maybe this podcast has affected you um ways that you've seen it um kind of you know push you towards jesus or just ways that it's encouraged you this is an open line where if you hear anything and you have questions about it you can ask us um if you want to open up one of our episodes in prayer you can record a voice memo and send it in to this number again 919-948-0206 it's in the show notes but uh, yeah, we just want to get to know this community a little bit more and think this is a really cool way to do that. 
Yeah, I've, I've really enjoyed already how we've heard from some people about how episodes have impacted their lives or their walks with Jesus. And it's really cool. It makes this worthwhile. Yep. Um, otherwise, it's just me and you having a conversation that we could have at home and, you know, Tata wouldn't have to show up. We wouldn't have to put the microphones in front of us. Um, but to hear the way that it's impacting people's lives is awesome and what we prayed for. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool. So let's go ahead and get into our topic uh, today. Um, I want to introduce it a little bit differently. I want to ask you a question, but do you do the whole like word of the year thing? Do I do it? Yes. Do I do it well? No. <laughs> um, every year, I I think I feel like this societal pressure to have a word. Um, and it's nice. I think it definitely helps me throughout the year if I can remind myself about that word. Um, but more often than not, I just forget to come back to it like I do when, you know, New Year's resolutions were a thing and then we replaced it with, oh, it's just going to be a word. And Yeah. I always thought the word thing was kind of whack, if I'm honest. It, I don't know, because I, I feel what you feel when you talk about like the pressure that you get. Like I've been a part of different circles before where people were like, what's your word of the year? What's your word of the year? Like, like it's Valentine's Day and everybody got their like secret like admirer letter and like, who do you think it's from? And you know what I mean? Like that's kind of the way that it feels. But um, yeah, I've never been like a big, I need a word of the year sort of person because, well, for one, okay, I don't mean to like get on my high horse here, but, here, but like, I don't see like a biblical precedent for it. Like, you know, there's nowhere laid out in the Bible where it's like, this is a practice that's guaranteed to happen in your life or whatever. Um, but I do like the idea of just staying focused, right? I think that it is kind of like the Christianese way of just saying, what's your New Year's resolution? People are like, I don't have a resolution, but my word of the year is, you're like, that's the same thing. Who are you <laughs> Who are you kidding? Uh, but I never intentionally try to seek out a word, but it does. I do feel like the beginning of the year, you kind of get this natural desire to do something differently in your life. And so usually at the beginning of the year, I ask God, I'm like, God, I, I need to get refocused. What do I need to focus on right now in my life? Um, and even though I would say I don't necessarily look for a word, I often find in that com conversation, not because it's God's job to give me a specific word, but because it's a time where I actually do slow down enough to listen to what he wants to say. Usually I pay extra close attention in, in that moment with God. Um, and so this past year, for me personally, the word that came up was abide. Um, you hear a lot about this word abide in John chapter 15, and that's really kind of where this episode is going to live today. We're going to look all over the Bible, but that's kind of like the, the crux of where this episode is going to end up. Um, and I just thought it would be cool if we took some time to talk about what does it mean to abide in Christ? Because he tells us to do it and it's crucial to being a disciple. But what does that really mean? So Morgan, when we talk about the idea of abiding, what is what does that mean? Like when you hear the word abide, what does that mean? Because it's not a word that we use like super frequently, but no, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say to like abide in something other than like abiding in Christ. Um, I think to stay close to. If I'm just like Webster's dictionary. <laughs> to stay, the act of staying close to. <laughs> uh, 
uh, that's what comes to mind. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. I think um, we'll probably see this in the next bit when we get to uh, to John chapter 15, like the passage on abiding in Christ, where we get that language from. But uh, some translations say remain in, and I think that's another way, right? Just to remain close I to. Was, and, I was going to say remain, but then it feels, sure you were. It no, feels like the, you know, when you define something with a synonym. An, another word that just means the same thing. Yeah. And it's like, well, then like, what is remaining and it's like to stay or to like be close to yeah that's where i get my yeah that makes sense um back when i was living in louisiana i started a midweek bible study called abide for some of the students that were um in our youth group at the time and the reason why i did that is because it's like it's so easy to like go to church on a sunday and then leave and then completely abandon your faith throughout the rest of the week and then like pick it up again on sunday so this was like wednesday night bible study but we had to make it, you know, edgy and cool. So we called it Abide. And it was just, it was that. It was how can you remain um, connected to Jesus throughout the week? And I think that what Jesus is calling us to when he says to abide in him is actually this idea that we remain in him at all times, every day, you know, the whole bit. So we're going to get in that a little bit, but uh, we, we're going to, we're not going to hit John 15 yet. Because this idea is actually introduced much earlier in the Bible. As a matter of fact, it's kind of a common theme from beginning to end. Um, I find that the idea of abiding in God is a very Trinitarian idea, right? You see God telling us to remain in him. You see Jesus telling us to remain in him. And then you see the Holy Spirit and what he does when we remain in him. So we're going to kind of look at all three of those today. But I think in the Old Testament, a lot of times when you see this, you know, the Old Testament, I'm reading through it right now, just like in a personal study right now. And in the Old Testament, um, the the Israelites are given this command to essentially remain close to God. And this is a, a theme that you see woven all throughout the story of redemption and humanity and all this stuff. And so the idea, what's funny is, is um, all the time when we hear this, it's like a gardening term. <laughs> You're going to notice that kind of thread. And I find that interesting because in the very beginning of the book, the Bible, in the beginning of Genesis, you you see God placing people in a garden, the Garden of Eden. And Eden is this place where God and humanity, they're, they're one in relationship with one another. And then Adam and Eve sin, and then what happens to them? They unabide. <laughs> <laughs> is that? <laughs> they get kicked out of the garden, right? And so I just find it interesting that that... that God and eventually Jesus, they all use kind of this, and even the Holy Spirit uses this like gardening language. Um, and we see this literally all throughout the Old Testament. Uh, Psalm chapter one, I'm going to flip over to it really quick. That's Isaiah. I thought I was turning to the, the right page. Isn't that so cool when you like turn to the... I love that. It's I'm the like, best feeling. The Holy Spirit is guiding my hands as I flip <laughs> to the right page. So check this out. Uh, Psalm chapter one, it says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Check this out. They are like trees planted along a riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all they do. Isn't that crazy? Again, you kind of see this metaphor, right? Of someone who is deeply rooted to God, connected to God in some way, they're bearing fruit. This is a, a, the language that we see all the time. And then later on, as you continue to look through the Bible, you have uh, Hosea 14a, and then Isaiah uses this language all throughout the, the book, um, this idea of, of, of a garden or of, of uh, producing fruit. Um, and so they talk about uh, Israel, how they are 
detached from God because of their sin, because of the way they've turned their back on God. And now they're not producing the type of fruit that he called them to do. And the primary reason behind this that we see is pride. All throughout the book of Isaiah, throughout a lot of the prophets, when when God is calling out the Israelites for their sin, uh, he, he God always calls out um, the things they've built up for themselves. He's like, I'm going to take out your armies. I'm going to take out your chariots. You know, all the temples that you've built and the gods that you worship will be destroyed. And all these things that we put our security in will now be gone. He's like, your fields aren't going to produce anything. Um, you're not going to have any wine to drink, any food to eat. It's all these things that saying that on your own, you will not be able to produce anything. And the reason why he does this is because of pride. Pride is the thing that drives us away from living under God's rule and reign. And when we build up things and systems and choose uh, those rulers to lead us instead of to remain under God, it's, it's the great tragedy. It's the problem that all of us, John Piper actually puts it that way. He says the great tragedy of all humanity is that we choose other things in the place of God. Um, so I just kind of want to kick that to you. Why do you think we do this? Why do you think it's so easy for pride to creep into our lives? And, and why is it so hard to nip it in the bud? I think it's so easy for it to creep into our lives because we forget to include God in the smallest things. When, when something happens and you didn't pray about it or you didn't like I don't know, for lack of better terms, consult God about this decision that you are making. And then like the good outcome happens. You're like, this was totally all me. Like I did this all by myself. Like I didn't ask God to like help me in this or direct my path or bless like this situation. I made this decision by myself and the good came out of it. Like the good outcome happened and not the bad. And now it feels like I did this by myself. Uh, I am so, so guilty of this that I don't ask God to meet me in like the really small decisions that I think, why would God even care about like this really small decision that I'm going to make? And when we don't include him in the small things, it's very easy to think I did this within my own power. Mm. Um, so then when the really big things come around, um, you either don't. You're like, well, I could handle the small stuff by myself. So do I really need God to yeah. like help me in this medium size issue or this large size issue? And then it just creeps. It's, mm. um, I mean, if we're going with the gardening metaphor, which side note, I am a terrible Man, gardener. Rough. I feel like I know the theory behind gardening. When bad stuff gets into the roots, it spreads and you have to like cut everything out mm. to get the bad stuff out, but you take like the good with the bad. So it's like when we let like something like pride get to the roots that we've planted previously in God, we've been on the bank close to the water source, but then something comes in, it can spread really mm. quickly. It's good. Like that one time I put those roses in a copper vase. Oh yeah, you can't do that. pH levels, baby, does something to the water. It kills the flowers. Did you hit on something there? It's so easy to be prideful about the small things, right? Um, one of the things that it's really easy to be prideful about is like, oh, I'm a good driver, right? I have a, a good, a clean driving record. I never get in an accident. You know, I can, oh, I can, I can text and drive or, you know, play games and whatever. And I can, <laughs> I can drive with my knees. I don't have to put my hands on the steering wheel. You know what I mean? Like we get so, but like, I never think, I think if I was 
truly in tune with God. Anytime I get in my car and drive from point A to point B, when I get to point B, I'll say, God, thank you for keeping me safe on my way here. You may not do that, but I do. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. I feel attacked. Anytime you're behind the wheel, I say a prayer that we make it there safely. And so God in the Old Testament, you know, with the Israelites, he promises to break these things down. He promises to remove these things that are prideful. And that's just kind of a question I want us to harp on. And if you want to answer it, you can. If not, also totally fine. But this is more for the listener, is what are those prideful things in your life that can be a door for sin to creep in, for you to kind of push God to the side and say, oh, I don't need you in this scenario. Now, I'm not saying if that thing is work, right? Some of us are really proud of work accomplishments. That doesn't mean quit your job. (laughs) That's not how you eliminate that issue. That's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is, is ask God to go to work in your heart on the area that makes you think you can do it by yourself. You know, that's the reason why we start every episode off in prayer. It's because if God doesn't show up, we're going to fail. And so unless we make the conscious decision to abide in Him and to stay close to Him, we're going to miss out on any fruit that He wants to build in our life. So we mentioned this at the top of the episode, probably the most famous passage about abiding in Christ is John chapter 15, the famous vine and branches passage. So we see how God, you know, calls the nation of Israel and all of his people to turn back to him and to abide in him in the Old Testament. It's a very common theme. Now we're in the New Testament. Jesus is here and Jesus calls us to abide in him a little bit further. And so just as a quick uh, refresher for anyone who's listening Um, This has been a a chapter of the Bible that I've read, I don't even know how many times, just this year, because I do feel like this has kind of been a theme that that God has called me to kind of hone in on and focus in on. Uh, But Morgan's going to read John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17 for you, um, so that we we can all be on the same page. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. 
I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends, since I've told you everything the Father told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my command, love each other. So Jesus says a lot there. He makes a promise, actually. He says that if we choose to remain in him, remain in his love, and he kind of lays out for us what that means, is to obey his commands and stay close to him. If we do that, we will produce much fruit. And it's a fruit that only he can produce inside of us. Um, and and it, it, I love that this translation, personally, um, that it says remain, because it has this sense of consistency to it. Right? It means that you never leave, that you never waver, that you never move to the right or the left, but that you remain close to Jesus. And I think that's what true discipleship requires. As a matter of fact, I love that there's that spot in here where it even says, um, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And then right before that, um, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So the, the crux here and the thing that Jesus is teaching us is that unless you remain close to him, you can't be a true disciple. And I find that it's so easy to drift away from Christ. And so this isn't in our notes at all, Morgan, but it's just a question that I want to ask because this is, this is something that kind of comes up for me. If Jesus gives us this promise, what makes it so easy to kind of drift away and not remain in him? I think it's a little of what I was saying earlier we we drift away we we kind of forget that this passage exists and we start to do things without consulting god and life kind of just continues and things continue to happen and good things happen and we forget to to stay connected to god like it i don't think it's a thing that happens instantaneously i think it's a slow, a slow drift. Mm. Um, Francis Chan has this analogy that he used in one of his books. I can't remember what it is, but he says that uh, you ever imagine like when you go to the beach and you like hang out in the water for a really long time and like you look back and like, where's my stuff? And then you look down, it's like down the beach a little bit, down on the shore. It's like you don't, you never recognize that happening. And he said that for him, when he drifts away, that's usually the same way that it happens, that you're not aware of how far away you're moving. And the next thing you realize you're like super far away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's a gradual thing and it's gradually, I think, like I was saying earlier, the small thing, you start out small and you're like, okay, well I can handle like this really small thing by myself. I don't need to talk to God about this. And then it just gradually gets bigger or you move further down the beach. Can we, can we, I don't remember, we may have talked about this in a previous episode or not, but is it just me or does it seem like, so busyness is a big one for me, like a reason why I often don't make time to, to spend with Jesus. But why is it that it seems like it seems like when we get busy, the first thing to go is time with Jesus? We definitely talked about this. Did we? Yes. Okay. But I mean, is it is it just that other things seem more important? Are we doing what John Piper calls is like the great tragedy? Is it that we're choosing something else over Jesus? I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, right? Yes. And I'm not making excuses but i was just going to contextualize like for us it feels like we're doing things for the sake of the kingdom like right now we 
bought a house and we're painting it and we're moving into it. And the reason we wanted to get a house is so that we could invite people into our house so that we could bring them in and tell them about Jesus. And the best way to do that is to feed them and tell them how much Jesus loves them. And so we needed a, needed a bigger kitchen to do that. Um, so that's a really big source of busyness for us right now is working on this house. But like the end goal is that this is something that we can use for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of furthering the kingdom, for bringing people to Jesus. Um, so that's like the, the asterisk, I guess I put at the end of like, I'm busy, but I'm busy doing things that I think are good for the kingdom that I think Jesus is calling me to do. Um, I think it's fair to say if you have that perspective, then that's good. But again, I mean, I never want to be so busy doing things for Jesus that I forget to be with Jesus, right? Yeah. So. That's where I'm failing in like our full vulnerability and transparency. I am struggling with just hanging out with Jesus, just reading my Bible, spending time in prayer. Please don't ask me the last time I actually read my Bible because it's embarrassing. Um that's the part I'm struggling with. I'm so caught up in the, but I'm doing these things for the sake of the kingdom. Like I'm, I'm going to get us into this house. And when I get us into this house, I'm going to like have a little bit more free time and I'm going to spend more time with Jesus for like me and like my relationship with Jesus. And we'll also be able to invite people into this home. But then we get into the idea of contentment and, you know, doing the things now and not being like, oh, but when I get there, that's a whole nother episode. Because when I get there is never going to come, right? <laughs> no, we're never going to get there. But I feel like that's a totally. Yeah. We, yeah. Yeah. That's a, it's a great topic. I, I want to share this because I think it's something that may be helpful. I'm not trying to be like, oh, you're bad at this and I'm good at this. But like, this was something that I, again, I mentioned since January 1st, I've been kind of living in this chapter. And haven't been entirely living it out until probably three weeks ago, which was my birthday. Um, when I had my birthday, hit my birthday, it was kind of like this like restart. Like, you know, you always do the New Year's resolution at the beginning of the year. But for me, I'm like, I'm 27. I'm ancient now. So, You're 27? <laughs> yeah. You knew oh, this. Yeah. You made fun of me for it forever because I'm officially late 20s. Oh, that means I'm 26. <laughs> That's how math works. But when I turn, but when, anyway, some people are like hearing that and like want to puke because they're like, you're only 27. Da, da, da. <laughs> anyway, when I, when my birthday came, I told myself, I'm going to start something new starting a day. And the biggest thing was, is that I, w I was getting really busy with work, church work, good work, getting really busy with work, but forsaking time spent with Jesus. And so what I said was, I said, I'm not going to start another work day without spending time with Jesus first. And there's definitely a learning curve. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a morning person. So all this means is that I don't start work till 1, 2 p.m. Because by the time I, you know, spend time in my Bible and then move on, whatever. But yeah, this, that, that's just something practical that has been helpful for me. And uh, and I have, I have to do it. There, I'm at the point now where I don't want to settle anymore for not spending time with Jesus. And I don't want to have any more dry... Bible reading times. And I don't want to have any, another day where like the a big reason why I did this is because my prayer life was horrible. Like, I don't want to have another day where I think about praying, but then don't because I feel like I'm not going to get anything out of it. Like there is this hunger and this desire that God has bred inside of me that I want to reach out for. Psalm 42, just like the deer pants for the water, so my soul pants for, for God. And that's the way that I feel right now. 
Um, but it's Jesus's warning in this that has actually driven me to that point. It's in John chapter 15, where Jesus says that apart from me, you can do nothing. I have to believe that. I have to believe that. Until my pride is broken enough to where I actually believe that statement, nothing really changes. Um, because especially, I would say that like as a pastor, as someone who works at a church, you think all of my work is good work, and everything that I do is for the kingdom, and it's all fine. But that's... That's not the case. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And the question is, is do we really believe that? So we've seen God in the Old Testament. He calls for his people to remain under his rule. That's what it means to be a part of the kingdom of God, is to remain in a place where God is is in control, uh, uh, submitting ourselves to his will. Then we see Jesus telling us that he is the vine and we are the branches, that if we don't stay connected to him, that we can't do anything. And now we see Jesus. It's funny, um, that was John chapter 15 that we just read and talked about. In John chapter 14, right before he goes into this this little bit, uh, Jesus promises the Holy Spirit. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Uh, The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. So Jesus is promising us the Holy Spirit and we actually see uh, the, the fruit that's cultivated in the garden, right? Later on in Galatians chapter five, when it is a a relatively well-known passage that I wish I would have turned to before I uh, started talking because I want to find it. Do you have it pulled up, Morgan? 522. Look at you. Look at you. Do you want to read that for us? So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I'm going to keep reading. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Let us not become conceited or provoke one another or be jealous of one another. I heard this verse a lot. I grew up like in Christian private schools growing up. Shout out to my mom again. Thank you for that. But like in my classroom, we always had like the fruit of the spirit, like the things you probably had in like your Sunday school class was like on the walls in my classrooms growing up. So I always grew up around the like fruit of the spirit. 
And I think until relatively recently, I always had this idea that the fruit were, I don't know, just like things you need to pull out at certain times, like use at certain times, you know? Mm. Um, I don't know what, I feel like there's a Pokemon analogy in here. Probably not. That's just the way my brain works. This is a total sidebar that we, that we don't need, but like, I don't know. Like you ever play like Texas Hold'em or poker or something? You're like, I need this card, this card, and this card. I'm to... a Christian. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I forgot. I can't say that on the True Discipleship podcast. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like, have you, have you ever had stuff where you're like, oh, I need this right now for this thing and that right now for that thing. And, and that's the way I always thought it was. I always thought, you know, when I'm in traffic, God, give me patience. You know, when I'm dealing with you, I'm like, God, show me, give me love, give me more love for my wife. And some patience. And some patience, right? <laughs> if there's like a sin struggle that I have that I'm trying to get over, I would always say, God, I need self-control in this situation. And like, while all of that's true, I don't think that's what what God wants to do in our lives. I think that God wants us to to use and to have access to all of these fruit. <laughs> fruits <laughs> to have access to all of these fruit in every aspect of our lives. So for example, when I am interacting with you, I don't think he just wants me to have love. I think he wants me to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Like he wants all of those in every aspect of life. And so while I am like, I'm a pretty compartmentalized person. Like I can, you know, leave work at work, be at home, like, you know, do the whole thing. And like, I'm always like, oh God, give me love at home with my wife and give me patience at home with this person at work and give me joy when I have to like do a task that I don't want to do. But I think God actually wants me to bring all of those fruit into every aspect and every situation of my life. I mean, is that the same for you? Is, is that the way you've always kind of thought about it? I've definitely been the same way that I could pick one fruit off the tree at a time whenever I needed it. Or like when you were trying to make that Pokemon reference, I was thinking about like pulling out different like superpowers. Like, oh, if only I could be like invisible right now or I don't know. Um, we're both weird today. It's okay. <laughs> um, yeah, there there are definitely certain situations where um, I've prayed for certain things like a certain fruit when now hearing you say this it's it's really like if the spirit is in me I have all of them um and I have access to all of them I'm capable of producing all of them because the spirit is in me well the spirit produces them in you yes right but they are lived out through you because like I had somebody tell me one time where I was like, I don't remember what it was, but I was talking to someone about us and I was like, uh, I, I legitimately can't remember the scenario, but I was like, I want to, I need to learn how to love. I need to like love Morgan well through this or like, how do I love her more well? Something like, I don't remember what it was along the lines. And this person looked at me and goes, I'm sorry, is love a fruit of Aaron? And I was like, no. He was like, well, then what is it? I was like, it's a fruit of the spirit. He's like, yeah. So as long as you are attached to the spirit, dare I say, as long as you remain in Christ, won't you naturally just start to do this? And that feels, this is where my pride comes in again. Mm -hmm. Because for me, I'm like, no, I should be able to do this well enough. And I should be able to conjure up any sort of feeling that I want. I mean, you were, let, let's get real, right? Self-control. I myself should be able to produce self-control. 
But the Bible clearly teaches that the only way that we really get to experience that is if we remain in Christ, because it's as we start to spend that time around the Holy Spirit that He actually starts to cultivate this stuff inside of us. And, and again, I think it goes full circle. It's our pride. It's when we start to say, I can do these things all on my own, that we're forsaking the gospel and we're not living in accordance to the way that God designed it to be. I don't think that God designed us to be people that can conjure up these things for ourselves, because if we could, then why would we need him? Yeah. He created us to be people that depend on him for all the things that the world needs. And what does the world need most? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I think what we see in the world today is so many people trying to do this for themselves. And it comes out in all these different misconstrued ways um, that it, it, it doesn't, it's not supernatural, which it should be. It's exhausting. Yes. Like as you were talking, I'm like, being proud is exhausting. Mm. Like living with pride is absolutely exhausting because it's all this stuff that has to come out of like my ability and me striving for something that I'm never going to reach. Mm. And I'm tired. I if we haven't already figured out, I'm a perfectionist, want to be the best at everything. And I am so tired because I am continually trying to do this by myself mm. in my own strength. And pride, for whatever reason, even though it's exhausting, is telling me every single day to, to keep trying to do it on your own. Yeah. You didn't you didn't figure it out yesterday, but maybe today is the day mm. that you can figure out how to have patience or to be joyful in this scenario. And I'm exhausted. Can you imagine? I mean, that's just such a crazy visual, isn't it? Like imagine someone trying to draw from an empty an empty well. And that's what we're doing. When we're not plugged into the source, when we are branches that are not connected to the vine. It's like we're dry heaving for something real and significant and we can't and you're right it is exhausting and like and you know what the crazy thing is the alternative is so much easier saying yes to jesus and like accepting the gift of the holy spirit is so much easier than waking up every morning and trying to like produce my own joy listen to this you ready jesus matthew 11 28 through 30 come to me all who are weary and burdened and i will give you rest Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Is that not what each and every one of us wants in this oversaturated, overstimulated, completely burnt out generation of working too hard and trying to produce things and all from this well of pride? I got to go out. I got to hustle. I got to get it done. I got to finish and accomplish X, Y, Z. Like all of these things. We're so burnt out and tired because we're trying to conjure things for ourselves that God said he will produce in us naturally if all we do is remain in him. Come on. What, what's wrong with us? Why have we gotten this so twisted? And you know what's really heartbreaking? It's that when when you look at the church, when you look at modern Western Christians. This isn't what you see. You don't see a group of people who are loving and joyful and patient and kind with one another. Like you don't. You Instead, what you see is people who argue with one another about who's right and who's wrong. 
in the type of unity that Jesus prays for that we would have with one another, we don't we don't get to experience that. Why? Because we're so busy working so hard to be right and letting our pride get in the way. It's crazy to see. I was talking to somebody a few weeks ago. Um, it's a, a high schooler that goes to our church. And she's on the fence about Jesus. And she said, I don't want to be a Jesus follower because I don't want my friends to think that I'm intolerant and I don't love people. And the example that she used explicitly was like, she, I don't want them to think that I hate gay people, like all this other stuff. And I'm, you know, I took her to Galatians chapter five and I read this to her. I, said, I read this to her. I said, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And I said, you know what I don't see on that list? I don't see hating gay people in that list. I don't see angry I don't see conservative. I don't see fill in the blank with whatever people think they need to be right. I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All things that define Jesus' life. And I think that the reason why Jesus called his disciples to remain in him is for this. A disciple watches Jesus' lead and then follow suit. And I think there are things that the disciples saw in Jesus. I said, man, I want to be like that. I want to do that. I want to, I want to be this type of person for other people to be around. And so how did they do it? They stayed close to Jesus. They watched what he did. They mimicked what he did. And then before you knew it, they were starting to produce these fruits. The Holy Spirit was starting to produce these fruit inside of their own life. And I just think that's, man. I have a lighthearted example to, um, yeah, because you got me riled up. I'm, I'm, <laughs> you got really heavy, and sorry. I mean it's all really good. Yeah, no, I'm not trying to undermine. It's a, it's an actual like. You see this in practice. You and I, we talked about we have been married for almost a year. By the time this comes out, we will have been married for a year, and um, in that year, we have spent 365 days together, and. It is crazy how many like quotes we have picked up from each other or like just things that we mimic in each other from spending 365 days together. Like I think I came out of a room the other day and I said something that I'm not going to say on this podcast because I don't think it was it wasn't bad. It was just like wasn't great. Uh, but I said it and you were like, you have been spending too much time with me. And it's funny because like you look at somebody that you're married to and you say you've been spending too much time with me. And like, that's a funny statement. Um, but what if we approached our relationship with Jesus like that and just like let him rub off on us the way your really quirky quotes have rubbed off on me in a year? Mm. Dare I say that's what it means to be a true disciple. It's what Jesus said it means to be a true disciple. We saw it right there in John chapter 15. Why do we complicate this so much? Spend time with Jesus, you become more like Jesus. If we simplify it too much, there won't be a point for this podcast. So, people read their Bibles, there won't be a point for this podcast. (laughs) That feels like a good place to stop.
All right, exhale. <laughs> Let it all out. <laughs> you know, man, I'll be honest. I get riled up because this was a good, like, kind of wake up and reality call for myself. Like, you talking about the just getting overwhelmed and all that stuff. I feel that, and I relate to that. Um, I can feel the exhaustion and yeah. just letting go of that and yeah. the conviction. Yeah. So hopefully that's enough if you've been listening to just kind of have something to think about this week. And I just encourage you, spend some time in John 15. Spend some time in Galatians chapter 5. Spend some time in the Old Testament and looking at um, the the disobedience that we see in the Israelites and in how they try to separate themselves from God and what the result was. Right? We let's Let's learn from people's past mistakes, but then let's be fueled on and let's be encouraged by the grace and the love that God shows. I hope that you don't walk away from this feeling beat up and like, oh man, I'm a terrible person and a horrible Christian and all this other stuff. Just just start today, you know? It took me seven months from when God said, hey, I want you to learn what it means to abide to when I actually started doing it. And so, you know, better late than never. Just hop into it. And and I'm excited to see the fruit that comes out of this conversation, but, but also that, that stems itself in your lives as well. Absolutely. I love the example you said the other day that somebody asked you if you missed a meal, would you like not eat your next meal? And they're like, so why is it with like your Bible reading or your prayer life? Like if you miss one time, you're not going to skip dinner. Yeah. And if you feel like you've been cut off from the vine, it's okay because Jesus, he grafts us back in. Jesus connects us to himself as, as long as we're willing. So I would say if you have a willing heart, if you are allowing God to deal with that pride that's inside of your heart, the part of you that says that you don't need him, um, he can work with that. So, yeah, the Bible tells us all the time, humble yourselves, humble yourselves, and then God will do amazing things in your life with that. I think that feels like a good place to cut it. We can keep rambling if we want to, but I don't think we need to. Thank you so much for listening to episode six of the True Discipleship Podcast. We will see you again in two weeks.